Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. Today we're talking about one of my very, very, very favorite authors. (laughs) I've learned so much from his little writings. And when I say his little writings, that's exactly what they are. I am going to go through and I'm going to tell you more about some of the things that he has written. But they're very small. They're not huge books. They're small books, but they're very well written and very easy to understand. His name is James Compton Burnett, and anyone that listens to me has heard me talk about James Compton Burnett or Compton Burnett or Burnett, and I literally refer to him in almost everything I do, Um, simply because you know that when we're doing cleanup work, everything that I've learned for like cleaning up organ therapy, um, for cleaning up the system, getting rid of suppression from vaccines or pharmaceutical drugs, or some other form of suppression. It all goes back to my studies under Compton, James Compton Burnett. He's so complete and so, I don't know, he's just done so much good work and he kept good records. That's the kicker. You know, there's been so many good homeopaths over the last three centuries and it's hard to say how much they've contributed to homeopathy unless they've kept good records, right? It's all about record keeping so that we can compare our symptoms, the what we call the rubrics, the similum, and we can see the effect that a particular remedy has on the body. So with that, I, I, just, I just wanted to tell everybody about this wonderful doctor. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure all of you know who he is now, um, unless you're super new to homeopathy. But even then, you've probably heard of this wonderful doctor. He has the book that I have. You can actually, I don't know if his books are still out there on Google now, but you used to be able to download his writings from Google Books. And now you can look at them. I don't know if you can download them anymore, but I know back in the day, I didn't really know how to do that. (laughs) And I would just go there and I would just read, read his books. But now I have actually a hardcover book. It's called Best of Burnett. By Dr. H. L. Chitkara, C H I T K A R A. So Chitkara, I think, is how you pronounce it. It was compiled by him, and so it's it's like I said, it's the best of Burnett. It's a compilation of all his writings. It's a very nice book. It's a good reference book, and so that's where I got a lot of the information that I have here. So if we look and we want to know more about James Compton Burnett, let's start with his birthday. (laughs) July 21st, 1840 in Salisbury, England, and he died at only the age of 60. He must have suffered from angina pectoris for much of his adult life, for he died suddenly of a heart failure at his hotel lodgings on the 1st of April, 1901. So he didn't live a long time, but in that short period of time, he was brilliant. He excelled at everything he did, and he had an ability to see a situation and just really know where to go with it. Around 1865, he was in Vienna to attend the medical school there. 
He, he His tuition was free in Vienna at that time, which helped him out because he was not a rich man. It is said that he spent two extra years studying anatomy because he liked it, and he acquitted himself in it. He returned to enroll at Glasgow Medical School, where he was permitted to take his medical boards in one year instead of the usual three. Nick said he excelled at everything he did. After he graduated in 1872, he took a post at Barnhill Parochial Hospital and Asylum in Glasgow. It was there that he converted to homeopathy at the suggestion of a friend. His friend's name was Alfred Hawkes of the Royal Infirmary. We all know that the royal families have always notoriously used homeopathy, right? <laughs> um, his medical doctorate thesis at the end of his internship at Barnhill was rejected for his being heretically homeopathic. A second thesis was then accepted in 1876. So you can see back even, even over 150 years ago, they were already biased when it comes to being allopathically medical or homeopathic. And so here he was a medical doctor, but he was learning to use homeopathy. And so he was already being labeled. He began working in Chester for a homeopathic chemist named Edward Thomas, who was interested in veterinary homeopathy. Thomas and his sons, John and Henry, became homeopathic physicians. Burnett married Edward Thomas, his daughter, Agnes. On July 6th, 1874, James Burnett and Agnes moved to Liverpool where he set up his own practice. He prospered and began a stiff program of scientific research, reading of papers to the Homeopathic Society and writing medical journals. His fame spread so fast that it showed the testimony of his clinical records. He was really a very gifted record keeper and narrator. And he, like I said, became a very famous homeopath very quickly. He left Liverpool for London a few months before he became the editor of the homeopathic world. He pra his practice flourished. He was fortunate enough to have a large house in the country, and then he would travel into London for his practice. His wife, Agnes, after giving him six children, died in childbirth in 1882. So here he's left with six little children, and his wife is now gone. He must have been quite a charismatic personality because about a year later, he married again. Her name was Catherine Reese. He called her the love of his life. Well, she must have been pretty special to take on six babies, right? <laughs> uh, he continued to commute to his country home and work in London at his clinic. Dr. John H. Clark, another, we, I, I, I did a little podcast about John H. Clark, I want to know, a few months ago. And it's really interesting because John Clark knew Compton, James Compton Burnett, and admired him greatly. He wrote The Life and Times of John, James Compton Burnett and considered him to be one of the most remarkable healers of modern times. The Westminster Gazette wrote that his was one of the largest consulting practices in London. The Monthly Homeopathic Review wrote his obituary that he was remarkably of strong character, unusually rugged, massive type, straightforward and direct to a degree. The American homeopathist wrote, he was simply a grand man, a lover of his kind, a faithful physician, personification of kindness and sweetness. One of the most famous writings of James Compton Burnett was to do with his conversion to homeopathy. He calls it his homeopathic treatment or 50 reasons for being a homeopath. It was dictated to John H. Clark and connected to his conversion to homeopathy. 
I get a kick out of some of the things that Burnett did. He was such a real person. For instance, his uncle invited a friend over who had just graduated from medical school, and they were all sitting to dinner because Burnett's uncle wanted to explain homeopathy to this young medical student, and the young doctor was not impressed with the idea of homeopathy, and he abruptly called Dr. Burnett a quack. (laughs) Dr. Burnett was stung to the quick and took it upon himself to reboot the charge. So he sat down with a piece of paper and pencil, and he wrote out very abruptly 50 letters to the young man in a series of arguments that is what today we call the treatment or 50 reasons for being a homeopath. And the book was a delectable assortment of cases, many from um, some of his earlier writings, but the book sums up and exemplifies many of the traits of Dr. Burnett's personality, his style of writing, and the large affluent clientele in his practice. He was quite a man. I've been a fan of Compton Burnett's since I started studying homeopathy. I think for the most part, I was attracted to his style of teaching because I had seen so much suppression and vaccine injury in myself and my family and almost every single patient that started coming to me. So I understood right at the beginning that until the organs were healthy and the whole body would not be able to heal the way that it was designed to heal. So that's what attracted me to Compton Burnett. And I simply became a firm believer in what he had written and the way he taught it. Like say, he, in all his writings, he gives you case studies. He gives you the remedies that he used, the potencies that he used, how he used them. And, and you can take that information and really understand what he was trying to do. He does say that organ weakness or the pathology of a particular organ, if you're going to address that, you have to address that first and then go into the full healing of the whole person. So he says, that, you know, it's like I was explaining earlier that you can only heal as far as the weakest link. So if you're trying to give someone a higher potency and and you you look at the similum of the whole person and you give a higher potency to heal that what's going on within them, they can only go as far as that organ, the the weakness of that pathology is going to allow them. So what Compton Burnett taught is go back, get rid of the suppression, heal that organ, do that organ therapy, then go back and, and give the higher potency to heal the whole person. If the organ be damaged due to something else, then you can go ahead and use the higher potency and the organ will follow suit. But it depends on what comes first. And because he was so proficient in understanding anatomy and physiology, he could he knew where to start. It was just, it was a, a talent that was within him. And unfortunately, many of us don't have that talent, but... <laughs> What do they say? They say experience is the best teacher. And like I say, he started with his education, his studies, and he did have that that natural ability to, to see the within the health of a person. He actually called this um, this work with his organ his organ therapy. He actually called it organotherapy, organopathy. He said that. It is, he called it outside of homeopathy. So, because he addressed this particular organs with low potencies of homeopathic remedies, so low that they're, they're nearly a tincture, okay? So he would heal the organs, but he called it organopathy. And then he said, it's something outside of homeopathy, but it is being embraced by and included in it. You know, though it's not identical or coextensive with it. He goes on to say that, Organopathy is homeopathy in the first degree. And he says, finally, I would emphasize the fact that where the homeopathic simile 
agent covering the totality of the symptoms and also the underlying pathologic process causing such symptoms can be found. Their organopathy either has no reason to be there at all or it is only temporary, temporarily needed to ease an organ in distress. So he used it according to the need of the patient to strengthen that organ so that, that they could go th back and use the similum remedy for, from classical homeopathy to heal the whole person. So that's, that's what he really was proficient in. He was so detailed and studious that many of his cases took a lot of time. Very often he was looking at three to four years of treatment with any particular patient. But you have to remember that many of his cases came to him when, after they were beyond the reach of what was known in the medical industry at that time. So here he has patients that were turned away from the allopathic or they were sent home to die. And that's what many of his patients were. They came to him with cataracts or fistula, gout, tumors, um, stunted children, um, those with large tonsils, consumption patients, you know, the tuberculosis patients, because you have to remember there was no antibiotics at the time. So where now they, anyone with tuberculosis of any kind, they hit him with antibiotics. So he looked at it as we have to figure out the homeopathic remedy here to help these, pa these patients. Those with hair lip or cleft palate, um, he was very meticulous and he kept excellent records. And so all his cases are written down and very detailed. No other doctor has ever done that. Even in Hahnemann's writings, there are barely 10 or 12 cases that he kept meticulous records for. Burnett is credited for his knowledge in hum of human anatomy and physiology without the aid of subsequent invented diagnostic tests. So, you, you know, there weren't even, you couldn't even do a diagnostic test. They couldn't, you couldn't go in for a blood panel at that time. And, you know, they didn't have CAT scans and MRIs. And he was able to diagnose just through the physiology and the, the symptoms that the person portrayed. You know, when, you know, when you go into the doctor nowadays and they say, okay, I want you to pee in a cup. I want you to sit down. Let's take your blood pressure. Let's do this. You know, he, he could look at that that like even the urine. We don't really stop to think about the gravity of urine. It tells us so much. And, you know, now they, yes, they, they run tests on it, but it, is that lab tech? Do they know what they're looking at? You know, it's dark yellow, it's, it's white, it's frothy, it's green, it's red, you know, all these different things. And he was able to look at, understand the physiology of a person's health just by looking at the basics of that person. So I just, it just amazes me how smart people used to be. <laughs> um, you know, we've just, we're just losing our intelligence. That's all I've got to say. Um, so anyway, he, he was, he was, like I said, incredibly gifted, very smart, very talented. And he is credited with 27 writings from the year 1879 through to 1901 to his death. And I'm just going to run through these 27 writings real quick. Uh, first of all, he was the editor of the Homeopathic World from 1879 to 1885. So much of his, he, he wrote in the Homeopathic World during those years. He wrote the book or the writings Natrum Muraticum as test of the doctrine of drug dy dynamization. He wrote gold as a remedy in disease. The fourth one, on the prevention of hair lip, cleft palate, and other congenital defects. Five, H.A. Medicus, 
or Hahnemann as a man and as the physician and the lessons of his life. Six, curability of cataract with medicines. Now, when he says medicines, you have to remember he was a medical doctor first, and but he, he referred to homeopathic remedies as medicines. Seven, diseases of the veins. Eight, super salinity of the blood, an accelerator of senility and cause of cataract. Isn't it interesting? You know, you think about it over 150 years ago, someone writing, I mean, going into the great detail and understanding so much about anatomy and just the full picture of the human body. Nine, valvular disease of the heart. 10, diseases of the skin. 11, diseases of the spleen. 12, 50 reasons for being a homeopath. 13, fevers and blood poisoning and their treatment with special reference to the use of pyrogenium. How many times have you guys heard me talk about pyrogenium? I love that remedy. And so when you read this little, this writing that he wrote, it's just so amazing and we've lost so much of this knowledge. And that's why I I was talking about um, sepsis not too long ago. I don't know if it was a podcast or a training. And I'm like, how many phone calls do I get? Oh, Sue, can you help someone? So they were just rushed to the hospital with septicemia or with sepsis. I'm like... You know what? There are symptoms before a person is diagnosed with sepsis. (laughs) Folks, you know, let's wake up. Let's start looking at our symptoms. If somebody gets a funky headache, they start getting the chills. There's maybe a red streak going up their leg or arm or whatever. We need to start looking at these symptoms. I'm not kidding. It's like I said, I haven't had to take anyone to the doctor other than just, eh, just to check for secondary something in the last... 25 years. I've only taken two kids in just to make sure because they were too young to talk to me or to get another get blood test, but not for any sort of medicine. It's it's amazing how you can just take care of yourself, but you got to look at the symptoms, folks. Uh, 14, tumors of the breast. 15, neuralgia, its causes and its remedies. 16, cataract, nature, causes and cure. 17, five years, he later called it eight years, experience in the cure of consumption by its own virus, Basilinum. 18, on fistula and its cure by medicines. 19, greater diseases of the liver. 20, ringworm, constitutional nature and cure. 21, vaccinosis and its cure by Thuya with remarks on homeoprophylaxis. That was my first reading from James Compton Burnett. And it changed my life. And I know it's changed the lives of many, many people that I've come in contact with. And I hope you've listened to that podcast. I've talked about that in depth. 22, curability of tumors by medicines. 23, gout and its cure. 24, delicate, backward, puny, and stunted children. 25, organ diseases of women. 26, the change of life in women and the ills and ailings incident there too. (laughs) 27, enlarged tonsils cured by medicines. So those are the writings of James Compton Burnett. And like I said, you can find them all in the book, Best of Burnett. You can also find them on Google, on the internet. And anyone who's serious about homeopathy or just really wants to get to the meat of some of the, some of the cases that he had addressed, I really suggest that you get to know a little bit more about James Compton Burnett because like I said I think honestly he's a doctor for our day simply because we have so many people with organ issues immune issues it's it's running rampant in our 
in our day. And we have so many children being born that are stunted or with congenital diseases or thyroid problems even before they are born. And I know many of you have heard me talk about how they say today that many children are being born with only 70% of their liver function because they're so toxic even before they're born. It's a crisis that we're living in. It's doctors like James Compton Burnett and some of the work that he's done that I think can really help us to look at learning how to clean up our organs. Obviously, it's a matter of detoxing as well and trying to stay away from as many environmental toxins as possible. But it's, I don't know, he's a, he's a great doctor, and uh, but he was a very nice man as well. All right, folks, with that, I'm going to let you go, and hopefully you feel like James Compton Burnett is someone you want to get to know. <laughs> May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.